This audio lecture is based entirely upon the casebook Sales and Leases, a problem-based approach by Scott J. Burnham and Kristen Juris. The casebook is published by Callie E. Langdell Press and licensed Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International. That means that the authors have allowed everyone to copy and redistribute the material in any medium or format and remix, transform, and build upon the material as long as users give appropriate credit. Don't use the material for commercial purposes and redistribute contributions under the same license. Much thanks is due to the authors for writing this book and providing it to everyone for free. In furtherance of this spirit and in compliance with the original license, I also license this audio lecture as Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Contracts Lectures. This is lecture number four. And in this lecture, we'll be talking about the statute of frauds. So the general rule of the statute of frauds. The general rule is that oral contracts are perfectly good. The exception is the collection of statutes referred to as the statute of frauds. These statutes require certain transactions to be evidenced by writing. Although you may have an offer and an acceptance that form a contract for the sale of goods, under UCC Section 2-201, the contract may not be judicially enforceable unless it is evidenced by a writing. Section 2-201-1 sets forth the following requirements for enforcement of a contract for the sale of goods of $500 or more. 1. Some writing. 2. Sufficient to indicate a contract for sale has been made between the parties. 3. Signed by the party against whom enforcement is sought or by the party's authorized agent. And 4. Indicating the quantity. Official comment 1 notes that the writing need not contain all the material terms, and any terms stated need not be precisely stated. Comment 1 emphasizes that the only term that must appear is the quantity term, but even that does not need to be accurately stated. However, recovery is limited to the amount stated, whether accurate or not. Writing is defined at UCC section 1-201B43 as, quote, printing, typewriting, or any other intentional reduction to tangible form, end quote. 
under Section 7C of the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act. If a law, such as Section 2-201, requires a record to be in writing, an electronic record satisfies the law. Any terms not supplied by the writing will be supplied by other permissible evidence and by the gap filler sections of the UCC. The statute of frauds does not require the writing to be in one document. Two or more writings may be pieced together, provided that they relate to the same transaction, which may be established by the documents themselves or by other evidence showing the connection. Thus, one signed payroll card and one unsigned payroll card could be read together to determine the terms of the agreement. There must be some indication that a contract has been made. For example, a check with a notation on the memo line, such as purchase of briefcase, would constitute language indicating a contract for sale has been made. A check with nothing written on it, but the payee's name and the amount of the check would not sufficiently indicate the existence of a contract. The writing need not necessarily be signed by both parties. The important signature is the signature of the party against whom enforcement is sought. So, for example, a letter signed by the purchaser would be sufficient against the purchaser, but not against the seller whose signature is not on the letter. Under Section 7D of the Uniform Electronic Transactions Act, if a law requires a signature, an electronic signature satisfies the law. Now moving to the confirmation between merchants exception. Section 2-201-1 having set forth the general requirements imposed by the statute of frauds. Subsection 2 provides an exception for agreements between merchants. If a written confirmation is sent within a reasonable time after an agreement is made, the writing is sufficient against the sender, and the writing is received by the other party and the other party has reason to know of its contents. And the recipient does not object to the writing's contents within 10 days of receipt. Then the writing satisfies the statute of frauds and is enforceable against the recipient, even though not signed by the recipient. UCC section 1-205 states that reasonable time depends on the nature, purpose, and circumstances of the action. And what does it mean to be sufficient against the sender? The writing must meet the elements of subsection 1, that is, a writing, indication of contract, at least a quantity term, signed by the sender. The written confirmation must be received For this, see section 1-202E, which states that a person receives a notice when it comes to the person's attention or 
it is duly delivered in a form reasonable under the circumstances at the place of business through which the contract was made or at another location held out by that person as the place for receipt of such communications. Section 15B of the UETA states that an electronic record is received when it enters an information processing system that the recipient has designated or used for the purpose of receiving electronic records or information of the type sent and from which the recipient is able to retrieve the electronic record in a form capable of being processed by that system. Note that if a recipient objects within 10 days to the written confirmation, then the written confirmation does not satisfy the statute of frauds. Now moving to exceptions applicable to merchants and non-merchants. Subsection 3 of Section 2-201 provides three additional exceptions to the statute of frauds that apply to all contracts, and not just contracts involving merchants. The specially manufactured goods exception. If the contract is for specially manufactured goods, which are not suitable for sale to others in the ordinary course of business, UCC Section 2-2013A provides that the contract will be enforced in the absence of a writing if 1. The manufacturer makes a substantial beginning of their manufacture or commitments for their procurement and 2. Before any notice of repudiation and under circumstances which reasonably indicate that the goods are for the buyer that is, some sort of identification to the contract. The admission exception. If a party to an agreement that does not satisfy the statute of frauds admits the existence of a contract in its pleadings, testimony, or other court proceedings, the contract is enforceable under UCC Section 2-2013B up to the quantity of goods admitted. The performance exception. Under UCC Section 2-2013C, an agreement for the sale of goods for $500 or more, not otherwise satisfying the statute of frauds, will nonetheless be enforced if there has been performance, either in the form of payment for goods or acceptance of goods. Many other defenses to contract formation make the contract voidable, so that a party can assert the defense even if they have performed. But if you accept the goods or pay for them, you lose your right to later assert the statute as a defense. This makes sense, for if the purpose of the statute is to prevent fraud, a person should not be able to, in effect, admit they made a contract by performing it and then deny it. A more difficult question is whether a partial payment, such as a deposit, will constitute sufficient payment to enforce the contract. Several courts have held that a deposit is sufficient. In Morris v. Perkins, the court enforced an oral agreement for the purchase of an Indy 500 pace car 
because the purchaser had paid a $100 deposit by check, which was cashed by the seller. On the other hand, in Jones v. Wide World of Cars, the court held that the buyer's deposit towards the purchase of a car was insufficient to establish an enforceable contract absent additional conduct or a writing. This court noted that courts are more inclined to find a deposit sufficient when enforcement is sought against the seller rather than the buyer. Now moving to estoppel. If all else fails and the contract does not meet the requirements of the statute of frauds and no exceptions apply, is there any other argument you can present to avoid the statute of frauds defense? Recall section 1-103B, which allows principles of law and equity to supplement the UCC, specifically including estoppel. In Northwest Potato Sales, Inc. versus Beck, a farmer agreed to sell seed potatoes to a merchant. In reliance on that oral agreement, the merchant resold the potatoes in the market before they were delivered. Seed potato prices quickly escalated. And when it came time for delivery, the farmer refused and sold his seed potatoes to another merchant at double the price. When the first merchant brought a breach of contract claim, the farmer raised the statute of frauds defense. The court stopped the farmer from denying the existence of the contract. The court noted previous dealings between the parties, which gave rise to the farmer's knowledge that the merchant would resell the potatoes into the market in reliance on the contract. Another factor noted by the court were phone conversations between the parties after the original contract was formed, in which the farmer failed to deny the existence of the contract when the merchant brought it up and even promised to send back a written contract. Is UCC Section 2-201 the exclusive statement of the statute of frauds applicable to sales of goods, or should it be supplemented by the non-UCC statute of frauds? For example, assume that on October 1st, 2019, A orally agreed with B to sell his car to her for $400 on November 1st, 2020. This agreement does not fall within the UCC Section 2-201 because the price is under $500. If A refuses to perform on November 1st, 2020, and B subsequently brings a breach of contract claim against him, can he assert as a defense, the non-UCC statute of frauds, which, in most jurisdictions, prevents enforcement of an oral contract that cannot be performed within one year. One argument is that the UCC section 2-201 is the exclusive source of the statute of frauds for the sale of goods in which case the one-year rule would not apply. This is the approach used in amended section 2-201, 
which specifically addressed the issue in a new subsection 4, stating, A contract that is enforceable under this section is not unenforceable merely because it is not capable of being performed within one year or any other period after its making. End quote. However, since the amended code has not been enacted, this question remains one where there is a split of authority. And finally, writing signed by agents. Is it a writing otherwise sufficient to meet the statute of frauds, enforceable when signed by an agent? Yes. However, under the equal dignities rule, if the contract signed by the agent must be in writing, then the agent's authority to enter into the contract must also be in writing. Thanks, everybody. That's all I'd like to talk about in this lecture. Take care.